Happy New Year to you. Pleasure to be uh, speaking to you today. I wonder if you've ever heard uh, one of those uh, interviews maybe with a musician or a band or something like that, and they're asked about their sound, they're asked about why they do what they do, and they say, well, we just want to make music that we would like to listen to. Or maybe an interview with an, an author, and they say, well, I just I write books that I would like to read, and that sort of shapes what they do. Well, full disclosure, this message is a little bit of a, a message that I would like to hear, and uh, I've taken a little bit of a liberty uh, in doing that today, because we, let's be honest, we're in a little bit of an in-between uh, moment. It is the first one uh, of the year, obviously, uh, but we're starting a new preaching series uh, next week. And uh, so this was a little bit uh, of a, a freebie opportunity. And uh, I say it's a message that I uh, would like to hear, but I guess more than that, it's really a message that I know I need to hear. And uh, in the... Pr- preparing of this. It's been helpful to me and I hopefully, hopefully it'll be helpful uh, to you today as well, whether you're here with us in the room or watching this uh, online. And uh, we just um, heard a moment ago about the gatherings that we're going to be doing this term. And uh, we're really, as a church, wanting to set some time aside to seek God in a very uh, deliberate way and, and prize uh, his presence. And I wonder how ready you're feeling to do that. We can come to these seasons as like, oh, okay, this is, this is what we're doing. Okay, let's, let's seek God. And uh, maybe we're not really feeling perhaps that we're quite ready. Well, I definitely have you in mind then uh, with this message. It is going to be a message about what it means to seek God and what, it, what the Bible has to say about that dynamic. But I hopefully, uh, hopefully it will be uh, an encouragement to you. I've chosen to speak from Exodus uh, chapter 33. So if you have a Bible with you, you might want to open uh, that up. Or if you have it on your phone, I'm just sort of going to go through a few verses there. I have to do a bit of context because I'm just <laughs> dive, diving into a certain passage in the Bible here. And uh, really it's... It's a moment in uh, the story of the Bible where we have God's people and they're, they're very weary. They're very weary. They're a weary people. Seemed appropriate uh, to use this passage given the current context that we're in. I know many of us perhaps um, are feeling weary. But it's also what we're going to see in this passage is a message about what it looks like to, to seek God. And and most of all, really, my heart in bringing this message is to remind us, to remind you, to remind me that God wants to be sought, that actually God prizes relationship with us, that he cares about it deeply. And that's a major theme in the Bible. And uh, hopefully it's going to be of an encouragement as we reflect on it in our time together today. That's really the main thing I want to say. We, you, are made for a relationship with God. That's why he's made you. So that you can know him. That you can seek him out. I felt that was a good reminder at the beginning of a new year when we perhaps are thinking about things afresh, things that we want to achieve, things that we want to do. Maybe we have our prayer list of things that we want to ask God for, and they're all good things. But it felt appropriate to bring this reminder that, well, 
In one sense, what, what's life all about? What's it all about? Well, if I could summarize it in two, two points, it would be knowing God and knowing him more. And that's really what I want to bring today. We're born to know God, to find a depth of relationship with him. And that's what life is about. That's why he's made you. Now, you might be here as someone or watching this as someone who has been a Christian for a long time. Perhaps you're here or you're watching this and you're not a Christian and you're looking to discover or find out a bit more about what the Bible has to say and whether this God is even real. And perhaps in the midst of uh, you know, coming off the back of a Christmas uh, season, when we have, hopefully in some ways, the, the best of life, friends and family and good food and drink and enjoying all that you know, material uh, blessings that we can get our, our hands on. And maybe you've gone through that and realized, actually, I, I still feel empty though. Even the best that life has to offer, the best experiences, the best things that we can enjoy, and we feel a lack. Well, the Bible's answer to that, God's answer to that is actually you're made for more than just enjoying things in life. You feel a lack because you're made for a relationship with God. And you won't, your heart won't be satisfied until you're satisfied in Him. So let's turn to Exodus 33. God's people are not in a good place here. If you know the story of the Exodus, a large part of it is God's people, the Israelites, going on a long journey. And they're going to journey through the wilderness. And really, it's a, it's a trial that has just gone on too long. And they're incredibly weary, as I've said. And it felt like in the midst of a pandemic, that seemed like an appropriate thing to talk about. A trial, a difficulty, it's just going on too long. And it's wearying. And God's people have been pushed to their limit. They've suffered. They've suffered lack. And that's many of our experience through this pandemic. It's not, it's not been easy. It's not been easy to be a Christian. We've pushed us to our limits. We feel like, can I, can I go on? Whatever stage of life or circumstance that you find yourself in. It's not, e- it's not been easy to be a parent. It's not easy to be a husband or a wife. It's not easy to be single. It's not easy to be divorced or widowed. It's not easy to be a grandparent. It's not easy to be a teenager navigating through this. Each circumstance and situation has had its own unique challenges and difficulties. For some, it's overwhelming stress. For others, it's loneliness. For others, it's loss and pain and relational strain and difficulty. That's what we have faced. In a different way, that's what God's people have faced. They are going through a time of wilderness, a trial. It just keeps going on and on and on. They want to get somewhere. They want to get through. And they reach a point where they are so at an end of themselves that they just they reach out to a, a tangible comfort. They find it hard to trust God in the midst of a trial. Has that been your experience? Not really feeling that their spiritual life is up there. 
It's been tough. What, God, what are you doing? Where are you? Why are things so difficult? And that's what these people faced. We will get to the passage in a minute. But again, by way of context, just before Exodus 33, we have this episode of Exodus, in Exodus 33, God's people, they reach out for this tangible comfort. And it seems a bit bizarre to us. But what they do is they create these golden calves to, to worship. And again, it, it, it needs a lot of explanation because that does sound a bit of a bizarre thing to do. But really, to summarize, what they're looking for is God seems distant. It's hard to trust God. Is he really there? Is he really for us? They want something tangible. And so they make something material. Say, no, this, this is what God's like. He's close to us. And I think that's, even though it's a bizarre example, it's, it's descriptive of what we do, even as Christians. When we find it hard to trust God, we find going through a trial, it's difficult. We reach out to a tangible comfort. Something that maybe we shouldn't do or indulge in something too much. What's that for you? When it's tough, what do you reach to? Just to cope, just to get through. Because we can talk about how the pandemic has is, is not been easy for us. But let's be honest, it's also at times brought the worst out of us as well. We've not done well. And that was what God's people experienced as well. They were in a trial, but they had not done well themselves either. And then give that by way of long introduction because I think I want to acknowledge that especially when we're you know as elders encouraging you to come and join us to seek God come on let's pray let's worship and I know many are feeling I find it hard even just to be in the room I'm not feeling at my spiritual zenith ready to seek God well this passage is going to help us I pray Exodus 33, verse 1 to 5, I'll just read to begin with. The Lord said to Moses, depart, go up from here. You and the people whom you, have, whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land of which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to you, your offspring, I will give it. I will send an angel before you. And I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up amongst you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. Verse 4 says, when the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned. And no one put on his ornaments, for the Lord had said to Moses, say to the people, you are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Okay, we're not at the encouraging bit yet. This is a fairly dark moment to begin with. What's going on here? As I say, God's people have journeyed through the wilderness and they're journeying towards this promised land. This place that God was preparing for them where they were going to flourish and be blessed. But through the wilderness experience, as I've said, they've not done well. And it seems that God's patience has run out 
after this incident with the golden calf, that they give themselves over to idolatry. And God says, okay, I'll let you go on to this place of blessing. But I, God says, I'm not going to go with you. And the people responded to this by seeing it as a disastrous thing, that God is not going to go with his people. And I don't know about you, when, if you read this passage, you think, well, is it, is it really that disastrous? Because in a way, God, God is still being kind to them and still saying, no, you can still have the blessing of the land. I'm going to send an angel and they're going to sort you out and they'll look after you and they'll give you the land. I'm not going, says God, and my presence is not going to go with you, but you can still have the stuff, the blessing, the goodness. You see, the promised land was a place where the people's needs were going to be met. Everything they felt they lacked on the journey, that was going to be God's provision for them. A place of peace, a place of safety, a place of security. And when you're in the wilderness, that sounds appealing. And maybe we put ourselves in the Israelite shoes here, going through the trial that we're going through. And if God turns around and says to us, well, yeah, okay, you can have the peace and the security. Your stress, I'll replace with my peace. The worry, I'll replace with security. The lack, I'll replace with provision. Pain replaced with comfort. In a sense, God is saying, I'm going to make everything okay. That actually sounds quite good to me. You know, that, that, that's many of my prayers. I don't know what your prayer life is like. Often my prayer life can be, God, take away this stress. God, give me your peace. God, help me. In a sense, God, make my life easier. I don't want it to be so difficult. Just help me out, God. And especially when we're in a place of difficulty, when we're down, we're disappointed, when life is hard, when we're hurting, when our ego is bruised, when we're in pain. We think, God, just sort these things out for me. And again, maybe you're here today or watching this because actually you're thinking, I'm, I need God to sort things out in my life. And that's why I'm here. And what we see in this passage is that God is, is kind. He is kind to them. He's loving towards them, even to sinful people. Like, get that. These people have just like turned away from God and committed this incredible idolatry. And God has said, no, even though you've pushed me to the limit of my patience, it seems, I'm still going to be good to you. Because God is good. He can't help himself but extend grace to them again and again and again. And there is a promise here, I will take care of you even when you mess everything up. Such is God's commitment to his people. And that's a great encouragement in and of itself. He's still good, he's still kind, even in response to our sinfulness. But amazingly, Moses says, no, I'm not going to take that. Moses he presses in and actually responds to God in an incredible way. I'm going to pick it up in verse 12 here, if you've got it open with you. This is Moses' reply to what God has said. 
Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name and have found, sorry, also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he, God, said, okay, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, Moses said, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known? that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? What an incredible prayer of faith Moses gives here. Essentially, what he's saying is, God... If we don't have you, we don't want the stuff. If we don't get you, we don't want to go and take, take the land. And when you, when you know the story of the Exodus, it's so amazing that Moses has got to this place. Because Moses' life, in many ways, is filled with like so many miracles, so many examples of like God's power and his goodness and his sovereignty displayed. You know, God calls Moses through a burning bush. Moses sees the, the plagues inflicted on Egypt. Moses leads the people as God parts the Red Sea. Manna comes from heaven in the wilderness. Water out of a rock. But Moses has learned something through decades of journeying with God. He finally learns it and it's on display in this passage here. What's he learned? He's learned that the blessings of God, the provision of God, and even the miracles of God are nothing compared to the presence of God. If we don't get you, God, we don't want this stuff. Oh, what a challenge to my prayer life. How often do you find yourself praying that prayer? Because I want this stuff <laughs> a lot of the time. God, make my life easier. God, give me peace, give me success, give me comfort, give me praise. It can be easy to relate to God like that. But maybe on our better days, we do pray like Moses prays here. God, whether I get this stuff or not, I want more of you. I want more of you. And I wanted to demonstrate this and show this and give this to us today because it's in the midst of trial that Moses says this. It's in the midst of suffering. It's in the midst of sin even. 
Moses has gone through the trial just like everyone else. He's part of the people that have sinned against God. He's got things wrong. He's feeling like he can't. But there's something in him that's seen something of God. He says, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grapple with God. The idea that God is going to not be with me anymore. No, I can't, I can't have that. I've seen something in God. I must grab hold of him. I must plead with him for his presence. I must seek it out. And that's why I love this moment and love this passage so much and why I've chosen to bring it to us today because this moment just shows what the whole of the Exodus is about. You know, why did God pick Moses out of obscurity? Why did God send the plagues on the Egyptians? Why did God lead the Israelites through the wilderness? Because through all those things, God was wanting to bring his people to himself. He wants their heart to connect with his heart. He wants them to draw close to him, to learn to trust him, to learn to journey with him in the miracle moments as well as the wilderness experience. And Moses finally gets it. That's what he says there. In that last verse I just read out, is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? I think God's like, bingo, you got it. This is what it's all about. You are my people. I am your God. What's this all about? It's about you knowing me. It's about you knowing me. And so God responds. Let's pick it up in verse 17. And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. I know you by name. Moses said, please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I'll be gracious. And I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. This whole conversation between God and Moses is a strange one. God essentially says, you know, I'm not going to go with you. And Moses responds, you must go with us. We only want you. And God is saying, of course I'll go with you. Now, I can't completely explain that. It seems almost that God has changed his mind here. But the, the way I can make sense of it is God is using this experience and using this conversation to draw out that he wants to be sought. He wants Moses to wrestle with him. He wants to to distill in Moses a desire for God himself. And that's what he's doing. And that's what God does. And that's what God wants for you. He wants you to know him. And he's quite prepared to use a trial, to use difficulty, to use pain even, to do something in us to get us to the place that Moses gets here. God, whether I have much or little, I want you. I want you. 
And this is what God does in our lives. And in this way, God is, sorry, Moses is demonstrating something of Jesus to us. Jesus, the one that stands up for the people and intercedes. Because this interaction paves the way for the covenant to be renewed between God and his people. It paves the way for the, the tabernacle and God's presence coming uh, upon, you know, amongst his people. You see, in Exodus, God's people were tired and they were weary and they were distracted and they were sinful. And yet God's desire was to be with them. <laughs> they weren't getting it right. And God said, I want be with you. Come on. Come and know my heart. And it took one man to stand up on their behalf and win the favor of God. And that's what Christ has done for us. That's why Christ has come. So that we can know God. He's dealt with the barriers. He's dealt with the sin. He's dealt with the failure. That's what it says. John 14. Let me finish with this. Why did Jesus come? John 14. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus has come to us. Why? To bless us? Yeah. To save us? Yeah. To forgive us? Yes. To work miracles in our life? Yes. But most of all, so that you... Know God as your Father. And you enter into an eternal relationship with Him. To go deeper and deeper with Him. You know, when Jesus saved you, He handpicked you to know God. That's who we are. If you know Him, that's why He's come. And we can echo the words of Moses here. We are distinct. That's who we are. We are distinct. We have the privilege of knowing God, a part of his people. And yes, there's reasons not to seek out. And maybe some of us are still living in the disastrous word, God, you don't want anything to do with me. No, no, Christ has come. He's come to forgive, to set free, to bring us. I'm the way to the Father so that we can pursue an ever-deepening relationship with God forever. And so that's my encouragement. To, let's seek him out. Whether in the midst of the trial, whether your things are all right, God wants you to know him more this year. Amen.